The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. It's good morning to Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Uh, Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. When I, I was away and I heard about the Omicron variant, I said, I've got to talk to Luke about that. The world is talking about Omicron. Uh, and let's talk about the name, first of all, because it's not the name that we should have. No, the next name, Pat, based on the Greek alphabet, was supposed to be New, N-U, and they didn't use that because it gets confused with the word New, of course. After New was Z, X-I, they didn't use that either because there's many people with the surname. Z, so they figured that mightn't be good. After Z comes Omicron, hence they've given it the name Omicron. And yeah. people, of course, are wondering, I, I, what does this name I mean? I had this you know? theory. My, my older brother knows everything. He did Greek in school and all yeah. the rest. He said, it, it, you know, you can understand new, uh, the confusion there. But the next one, Xi, uh, would be pronounced maybe Xi. Yeah. And, um, but it's spelled Xi. Now, who has the name Xi that we know? Big, big political figure. Yeah. The boss of China. China, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that could be the reason. <laughs> so yeah. could you imagine yeah. calling this variant Xi or yeah. Xi or Xi, but everyone would think it was named after your man? That'd be and ironic. that'd be big global that trouble. Began, it began in China, yeah. but that'd be ironic, wouldn't it? Yes. No, they've gone for Omicron, as we now know, that's the name. Yeah. Now, so it's a letter of the Greek alphabet, no more than that. Tell me about the the provenance of this variant, because uh, looking at the notes you sent me over the weekend, it was predicted. It was. Yeah, there was a scientist in, in Israel, a guy called Gideon Schreiber, and he made the spike, not the whole virus now, let's make that clear. He made just the spike with all these changes in it, trying to make a really nasty spike, if you will, in a lab, you know. Now, again, it's just the spike, not the virus. And he was kind of trying to make one that would have various features. And then to his amazement, this one crops up in nature. So just just through the random mutation process, we end up with a spike, just like the one that Schreiber had made. And he was making one, Pat, that might dodge antibodies or might be more transmissible were two things he was looking at. The reason is we know so much about the spike. It is probably the most characterized protein ever for obvious reasons. So it's quite easy to go in and tweak it and study it in various ways. But there's no doubt part of that history makes people concerned because he said basically you can make a really nasty one and then lo and behold, a nasty one evolves. So that, that's, that, that was that part of the history. Now, the effects of it, from what we're hearing, um, mild enough effects so far, scratchy cough, uh, aches and pains and, and all the rest of it, that doesn't mean it's the whole story. No, it's very early days. And over the weekend, but you'll have seen, everybody's saying we just don't know about it really. And that's still true. There are many, many unanswered questions about this one. There was a hopeful sign there, a South African doctor uh, reported on about 20 patients who had it and they didn't get especially sick. Now, they were young, healthy people, though, so you might expect them not to get sick. But just just say it changed into a really nasty form that would make young people sick, that would have been a worry. That doesn't seem to be the case. We keep our fingers crossed on that one. And, of course, in the coming days, we're going to get more and more data on it. I would predict, Pat, uh, by the end of this week, we'll know whether the antibodies are less effective against it. Because you can do a laboratory, you can do that in a test tube. You can test that, you know. But we're learning. I mean, the amount of science behind this now is huge for obvious reasons. Um, so the, the the questions we need answering, uh, transmissibility, it looks like it's quite transmissible. Um, it's already dominating or beginning to dominate in, in southern Africa. Um, however, we don't know how sick it's going to make people. 
and we don't really have a, a full understanding of whether it uh, affects vaccinated and unvaccinated people to the same degree. We don't. We don't. Based on our knowledge, though, of where the changes are, you can expect it to be more transmissible for a start, right? But it could well be less troublesome when it infects you. you know, in other words, you, you get a version that spreads more but makes you less sick. And that'll be a dream coming true, Pat, in some ways, because many viruses get weakened. They can still spread, you know, but they don't make people as sick. So we're kind of looking at that one closely and keeping our fingers crossed. And then the antibody bit, the antibodies will probably go down in their power against it. But remember, if you have a booster, you make so much antibody the old line, you know, quality trumps, uh, quantity trumps quality. You know, you make so much antibody, even though they're weakened, they, they still could swamp it. There's hope around that one. And then remember as well, the T cells are still there and they're the second arm of your immune system. This spike difference shouldn't really affect the T cell response. And again, T cells should be there and then they stop you getting severe disease. You might see slightly more symptoms possibly. But again, the hope is the vaccines will still prevent um, severe illness developing is the idea. And of course, that's the reason. I'm in London at the moment, Pat. I mean, there's a booster frenzy happening over here. Their, their main campaign in England is to get the booster into as many people as possible. They just announced all the over 18s can now be boosted. And I'm sure Omicron is a big reason for that, because once Omicron is here, let's get people boosted, because that will shore up the vaccine efficacy against it, is the idea. And there's optimism around that one. But the, the, the vaccines should still work to some extent against it, is our hope. Now, the, the question of where this particular variant came from, and we know there probably are lots of variants out there that are kind of uh, sub-variants of Delta or Alpha or whatever, and haven't, you know, thrown up too much of a, a stir. But the suggestion is this might have been around for quite a while, yeah. but it was only the South Africans who actually are good at uh, tracking down the variants. They actually announced it and now are being punished for their pains, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but it, it could have started somewhere else entirely. It's a strange one. The South African scientists deserve huge credit, Pat, because they got the information out very, very quickly on this one. And they got very good genomics there. That means they're looking at the gene sequences in the virus. And they spotted these differences release the information immediately on Thursday we all hear about it you know they reckon the first case was on the 9th of November in Botswana that's the first time it crops up based on the sample so it was there what a few weeks before it was announced and that's an important fact as well and the current theory Pat, is it probably grew in someone who was immunosuppressed and it could have been someone with HIV for instance and the virus was in that person's body and just kept dividing it ran wild basically and every time it divides of course there's a risk of a mutation so you can imagine if there's no immune response to that to the virus in that person, it just keeps on dividing and dividing and dividing, and all these mutations build up in it. It may have taken a year, they think, quite incredibly, is one thing I saw yesterday. So, so someone was infected a year ago, and that became a chronic infection in that person. And then gradually all these mutations build up. There's 32 changes in it, which is a lot, you know, and that gives rise to 30 amino acid changes. And that really, when you see an amino acid change, you can really, the shape is changing and the properties are changing. So they reckon it probably happened in an immunosuppressed person, sadly. Now, the question of banning flights from uh, southern Africa and so on. Already we heard this morning cases in Scotland. We heard from Israel cases there. Belgium was the first European country, I think, to declare a case. Is it pointless or is it a numbers game if you stop people coming from an infected area, coming in in great numbers? Well, then I suppose your vectors for transmission are less uh, in number. Yeah, it's just slow it down, Pat. The purpose of stopping flights isn't to stop the thing getting in. It's here already, you remember. It wouldn't surprise me if there's one in Ireland. I mean, the amount of travel between Ireland and the UK is such that there could well be a case in Ireland. There will be a case in Ireland eventually because it is as transmissible as Delta, if not more so. 
So the business of slowing down, uh, controlling flights, just to slow it down and get ready. And the, and the UK have said that. They've said that we're going to slow it down and get the booster out in that time. This gives us a window now to try to get the booster campaign ramped up even more, you know, because it will come and it will spread. So travel restrictions aren't about stopping it. They're just about slowing it down. So we slow it down and in the meantime we get our defences together. Yeah. Um, you're suggesting we've got to do more with antigen testing given the presence among us perhaps of a very transmissible variant. It makes antigen testing even more important because you can imagine if it's a highly transmissible form, you better be taking tests you know, before you go to a big event or afterwards with the two times to take an antigen test. And yet again, this would be a way to spot this variant. And if it is more transmissible that antigen testing becomes another powerful weapon to use against it, you see. And I bet you many countries are, are saying that the UK certainly are a huge advocate of antigen testing, as you know, and Ireland hopefully will be the same. Home antigen testing is the answer, of course. I mean, the guidelines here, but is before you go to a large event, take an antigen test. When you come back from a large event, take another one. And that's what we should be doing. It should be routine. You know, people are now saying it should be the norm to do antigen testing, and especially in the face of a highly transmissible form of the virus that makes antigen testing even more important. Yeah, and it's so easy to do. I mean, much has been made by certain people that it's uh, likely to be done improperly by people and all that sort of thing. But it actually is relatively simple. And by the way, I was away in Portugal over the last few days and a- antigen test in the local supermarket, €2.59. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, very cheap. So, uh, and, and that presumably is not subsidised, but €2.59 is what any... Yeah. Uh, body coming in can get it. Uh, masks for schoolgoers, uh, 2R quality, 50 masks for a fiver. Yeah, yeah. So, I know, really cheap. You know, the, yeah. It's doable, you know, it's absolutely doable. Um, now, the, the question of vaccine equity, you've been on about this before and, you know, we're using up lots of vaccine doing the boosting of uh, vulnerable populations and I think you were suggesting that the protocol might be for Pfizer, for example, a three-shot protocol that might be if you like the standard protocol what about this vaccine equity because yeah. if we got more shots in people's arms in developing countries who are not as well endowed as we are we might stop the variants well this this reminds us but really clearly doesn't it that we didn't do a good job on that i mean if this cropped up in botswana there's a very low vaccination rate in botswana lots of virus around you will see variants emerge you know and a funny botswana had had sufficient vaccines, this variant mightn't have cropped up. So uh, yet again, it re-emphasizes we've got to vaccinate the world. There's a risk of more variants, remember. This is the latest one that's causing consternation. Uh, there's no reason to think there wouldn't be another variant coming up later that might be different again. You know? So yet again, it emphasizes the, uh, the essentialness of, of the vaccine supply going into developing countries, both for ethical reasons and then to stop variants arising. In South Africa, Pat, it's interesting, they had loads of vaccine. It was a case of not rolling it out sufficiently, you know? So for South Africa, it wasn't a question of equity as such. It was more a question of, of getting the thing out. And there was a bit of vaccine hesitancy in South Africa, you know. But, but in other countries, it was, it was a case that there wasn't sufficient vaccine supply. And of course, as we've been saying, Pat, there's no issue with supply now. There are billions of doses available of these vaccines. Get them to these countries as quickly as possible is, is definitely the thing that we need to do. Um, the, the other thing we have been a bit slow about is masks in schools. I think it was Professor Rory Brewer was writing in one of the, I think the journal.ie over the weekend, uh, the irony that in secondary schools the kids are all wearing masks and they can get a, a vaccination. In primary schools where the kids so far can't get a vaccination, no masks. Yeah. And then they dream up this thing of nine-year-olds. Um, and in schools, of course, I mean, some kids in the class are eight. 
Some kids in the class are nine. Yeah. Some kids in the class are nine, and some kids in the class are ten. So, <laughs> you know, it's It is indeed. Now, you've been looking at the prospect of uh, updated vaccines, or yeah. indeed, when we talk about Valneva, uh, uh, a kind of an omni vaccine. Yeah, now there's good news here, obviously, because first of all, Valneva will be approved soon. If ever there was an ch- urgency, it's now. Pat Valneva will work against any variant, is the prediction, because it's the whole virus is in the vaccine. Remember the Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson and John- Johnson, that's just the spike. So if the spike changes, those vaccines mightn't be as effective, you see. Whereas Valneva has a whole mix of things in it. So again, there's a big focus now on getting Valneva through, and, and the prediction is it should get approved pretty quickly, and that could be used against this variant. And then secondly, of course, BioNTech and Moderna have both said now they can make a brand new vaccine in about three months. Isn't that incredible? And I heard mm-hmm. yesterday as well, Pat, BioNTech will have data at the end of next week on a new vaccine already. Not, not in humans, obviously. This is in a lab yeah. context. So within two weeks, BioNTech will have a brand new vaccine against Omicron. Uh, Moderna will be close behind. The rest of the time, then, it's the trials and safety and so on. So, so it's a reasonable prediction to say that by February, March, we'll have two new vaccines specific for Omicron, and they could be used in booster shots, you see, for example, you know. But then meanwhile, as you're saying, Valneva is the next one to look at that's coming up. Yeah, and, and I mean, if we look to Moderna and Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, historically, you know, and that could be in three years' time, we look back on that and say, well, that was a great job done. Um, you kept the wolf from the door at a very important time, but Valneva really is yeah. the gold standard going forward. It, it, it could well be. That's exactly right, yeah. Now, remember, Pat, the boosters, you'd be optimistic they would work anyway. So we may not need, may not need to use these new vaccines necessarily. Again, that data will emerge in the next couple of months or so, you know, so boosters might be certainly part of the answer. But ultimately, when we revaccinate people next winter, as a, not, not everybody, the vulnerable and older people, it'll be, a, it'll be an Omicron vaccine if that's the dominant strain in the country we'll be using these new vaccines next winter um i had three positive antigen tests within two days followed immediately by a negative pcr i'm isolating that's a hard one to explain that three is hard. positive antigen tests yeah, followed yeah. by a negative pcr that's unusual you can get a false negative on the pcr test as well by the way strangely you know the level uh. of negativity and positivity in yeah. these tests is much lower in the because PCR, they ad, they advise if you get a positive antigen test you do it again yeah uh, because it's a very remote possibility you get a false uh, positive but you yeah. will not in a you know you have a better chance of winning the 19 million on the, the lotto um than get two positive antigen t- uh, yeah. t- tests uh, which are not true. Yeah, um, exactly. Antigen tests need to be cheaper here. People are having to pay too much for them. That's from Peter in Dublin, and so say all of us. Yep. Uh, we know that the government have been offered them uh, bulk buying for less than three euros a pop. So if they subsidise those, they should be available for something like the price in the supermarket in Portugal or even less. Yep. Uh, you can get them in, in Germany for even less than the price I quoted for Portugal. Um, this new variant is nothing to worry about. Eamon Ryan said, we do random checking of COVID services coming into the country. The government still continues to work their three-day week, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So absolutely no panic at all. Uh, Tom and Abby League says, as the new variant seems to weed out the viruses just gone before it, could it be possible to create a harmless virus but more transmissible to take them all out? That's Something that doesn't make us sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, this is... that's, that's what vaccines are in some ways. Vaccines are weakened forms yeah. of the original thing you see and, and then they get into you and don't cause disease. So. That's a possibility. 
So you design one that that uh, everyone gets because yeah. it's as transmissible as the common cold and doesn't hurt you very much at all. And then we're all immune. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's kind of what Valneva is. Remember, it's the whole virus. Yeah, that's been modified. You know, so that's kind of like that. Hmm. All right, Luke. Um, thanks very much for all that news on Omicron. We, I want to mention as well something you mentioned last week, and this is your new ambassadorial role, um, creating our future. How is that going? Very well, Pat. Yeah. Now, now this is to remind people the deadline's tomorrow to get your ideas in. You see, so that's the thing to say. This is a huge, big national brainstorm. They're calling it. You know, asking anybody in Ireland, give us your suggestions for what research we should be doing in Ireland in the future, and it can be anything: the arts. Science, diversity, climate change, a whole lot. They've had 11,000 ideas have come in already. And some of these look very interesting, I have to say. So all kinds of interesting things coming up. There's a panel of experts will assess them and then make a report to government. And the future research of Ireland, then uh, everybody can have input into it, basically. So it's a really good campaign. It's called Creating Our Future. So you've got a day or so to get your suggestions into this. Great to get as many ideas as possible. Yeah, sometimes research is... um not directed at a target. I mean, pure pure research goes on in your lab, for, for example, and it may not lead to a new drug, it may, but it may give scientists an insight. This uh, creating our future seems to be more directed. It does in a way, yeah. I guess it's a, it's a trawl of ideas, which is anything. And all kinds of ideas. The, the Keely Beggs fishermen have sent in a huge number of very interesting ideas, for instance, which is interesting, striking. You know? But you're quite right, though. It, it can be directed or it can be anything, whatever people want. In other words, we'd like research in the following area to be done. And it could be blue skies. Yeah, it could, it could be something that isn't immediately applicable. We could well give rise to interesting, interesting findings in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you have a, a project, you know, not in your own area that you'd love to see somebody do? Oh, I would. I've, I've got loads of those. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't disclose it though, because the, ca- the competition might hear. I can't be doing that. You know? You, you know, I was thinking, and then I realised it's already there, like a pint of Guinness that doesn't make you drunk. But yeah, then that, they well, came up great. with zero, zero, zero. That would help society. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or um, again, why am I thinking of drink? I know why, because later on in the programme, we're talking about having a sober Christmas. But there was talk uh, some time ago of uh, a pill that you got sloshed in the bar and then you took a pill and you were immediately sober. Yeah. Is that yeah. possible no. biochemically? That turned out to be, no. sadly, Pat, that's too difficult. That would be a huge breakthrough, wouldn't it? You know? But actually, as we're on COVID, remember, the hope was to get a cure for the common cold for a long time. The antiviral mm-hmm. drugs will stop any common cold, remember. So that, that, that's come about after 30 or 40 years of effort, you see. So you never know. If you stick at something long enough, you might make a breakthrough. So if people have ideas, and I'm sure even as we speak, they're uh, trawling through their their, their brains, um, inner circuits to figure out all the things they'd love to have invented or discovered yeah. years ago and have never been, uh, where do they send these ideas to? Yeah, if you search Science Foundation Ireland, Science Foundation Ireland, creating our future, just search for that, you'll find where you can stick in your idea and it'll be then in the in the database. And then very eminent panels of experts are going to assess them, you see. And then come to the final list, I guess, which the government itself will look at. But this is a cabinet-level activity, by the way. So they're taking it very seriously, you see. So your, your, your voice will be heard uh, by these groups of experts. So it's well worth doing. OK, well, we shall await uh, the deliberations of all of those eminent committees and see where we'll put our research money in the future going forward. But uh, Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin, uh, thank you very much for joining us. 